Today, most Christians maintain that the book of Genesis says the earth is six to 10,000 years old at most. Scientists, on the other hand, teach that it is billions of years old. This discrepancy has not only drawn a line in the sand between faith and science, it's also introduced a divisive wall between Christian believers. But what if I told you there was a different explanation that unites young earth evidence, old earth evidence, and scientific evidence together into one harmonious conclusion? How can the earth be young and old at the same time? And what does all of this have to do with Lucifer? Find out right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Skywatch TV. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, those of you joining us from home, I promise you we are about to start a series that is guaranteed to blow your mind, I promise. But before we dive into today's discussion, let me introduce the explosive panel that's in-house. He's a multi-time critically acclaimed best-selling author and founder of Skywatch Television, Dr. Thomas Horn. She's a credentialed, ordained reverend with a degree in Bible and theology, a powerful voice in Christian television, Donna Howell. His broadcasting career has spanned for more than 40 years. He's the best-selling author of the groundbreaking books, Last Clash of the Titans, The Great Inception, and The Second Coming of Saturn, Derek Gilbert. She's one of the lead producers of the forthcoming Rescue Us docu-series from Defender Investigative Films and holds a degree in history for education, Brittany Jackson. And she's the host of the popular Christian television program for women, The Simply His Coffee Shop. Please welcome my beautiful wife, Catherine Horn. Now I promise that the series that we're starting today is guaranteed to blow your mind, but it may also start a theological war. And that is not an overstatement. We're talking about the brand new book from Donna Howell and Dr. Thomas Horn, Before Genesis. Now check this out, the subtitle. The Unauthorized History of Tohu, Bohu, and the Chaos Dragon in the Land Before Time. And of course, before we started the program, Tom, you said that Gary Stearman required that you read him that subtitle at least four times because, you know, he's one of the authorities on old earth, young yeah. earth, and, and often thought of as one of the leading scholars on the subject. Right, several times. And, <laughs> and, and when it was done, he's like, best title of a book ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're also going to be talking briefly about a companion DVD that will go on a special offer that we're making available to you on this new work called What Lies Beneath, The Lost Secrets of the Watchers Below, Gobekli Tepe. I want to dive right into this discussion because I know that with the release of this book, there is this war that will probably accompany its release. And I have to start, Tom and Donna both, as the, as the authors of this book. You guys had dinner with a famous theologian who out of respect I will not name, but he said, and I quote, that this book before Genesis, the one that I'm holding in my hand, he said that this book would start a war. First of all, what war is he referring to, and why, in lieu of his warning, did you decide to go ahead and publish it anyway? And we'll start with Donna. I remember this dinner like it was yesterday. It was a conference a number of years ago, and again, out of respect, we won't say who. 
is a very, very accomplished scholar. Mm -hmm. multiple doctorates in biblical related areas of research. And because some of the different things that were being talked about over that weekend at the conference had to do with science and quantum physics and its relationship with theology, this how old is the earth question got brought up into the conversation. Now, I remember that I was sitting there. I'm part of the old earth crowd, which automatically makes me a walking controversy, you know. But I remember that I was just thrilled with this part of the conversation. Wow, why don't we write this? And, you know, so Tom is sitting there going, why won't you write this? He's asking the theologian, partner with me, write this. And he said, if you write this, it doesn't matter what your motive is. It doesn't matter that your goal ultimately is to reach the lost. Pull, you know, pull that scientific community in on a discussion about whether or not science and theology can harmonize. It doesn't matter what your motive is. Mm -hmm. If you publish this, you will start a war. This is a ministry killer. And of course, that's why he decided not to partner with us. But what <laughs> I remember sitting there thinking is the whole time I'm, I'm circulating in my mind, why do so many people act as if science and theology are two separate things. Mm. You know what I mean? Why is that yeah. even a question? Mm -hmm. And I remember that what was going through my head as well is the Herbert Spencer principle. I'm going to read it to you. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is church tradition before the open mind of whether or not the Bible is actually saying something that the English yeah. Bibles are not telling you. Exactly. And of course, when you get into the original Greek and Hebrew, you start to find all these things that consistently contradict the traditional teaching of today's church. So I was sitting there thinking, you know, this theologian is saying it's a ministry killer. You know, you're, you're going to start a war. It, you know, the one thing he said a lot, you are outnumbered. Well, Tom and I, we don't care about the numbers game oh, unless okay. the numbers game <laughs> is about the lost. If yes. the numbers right. game is about the lost, that's when we care. Wow. Yeah, yeah and, and, and by the way, uh, what you also didn't say is that he actually agreed with us. He actually agreed that the old earth theory, as it's popularly referred to, uh, is the correct view of the age of the earth. But that said, he refused. I couldn't convince him. I tried, I'll pay y'all every day. Oh, you're going to do it. And he wasn't the only one. You know, when I was a pastor, I was formally trained in the Assemblies of God, typical uh, theology, uh, evangelical, mainstream thought. You know, the, the earth is approximately 6,500 years old. But as a pastor, I slowly over time, I started questioning if that was really true. I hated the fact that you have so many people that are secular that they look at the age of the earth and the dinosaurs were millions of years ago and you dumb Christians, I couldn't become a Christian. I can't take my brain out of my skull in order <laughs> yeah. to become a Christian and deny what is right before us, the soil erosion and all the things right. of the geological strata of the earth and also extrasolar planets that have asteroid impacts that we've detected that go back maybe millions of years. Mm -hmm. They see all of that and they're like, but okay, you got Adam and Eve giving the grandkids dinosaur rides 6,000 years ago and they just think we're dumb. You know, I don't live my life to try to make them happy, but it right. did cause me to start questioning, okay, uh, but is this really real or would there be a way of maybe harmonizing? And I am so excited about this book because Don 
Hosanna. That's what was accomplished in this book before Genesis. It actually appreciates the position of the young earthers. It, wow. it agrees that Adam and Eve were created approximately six to 10,000 years ago, that all of that is a fact. But then what it says is, but before that, yeah. something else was going on on the earth. Why was the Nakash, why was the fallen Luciferian angel, Satan, why was he in the garden when Adam and Eve were created? He was already there. Yeah. When before that time did he arrive? And so all this stuff started getting in yeah. my head. So over time, after we formed Defender Publishing, I started looking for somebody that would write this book for me. I tried to talk yeah, Gary Stearman into doing yep. it. Gary has written a lot about this, but I've ran out of patience, and uh, <laughs> I tried to get this famous theologian to do it. He wouldn't do it either. And I just kept thinking, look, I'm going to get old and fall over wishing this book would have been written. And ladies and gentlemen, you must listen to me. Best book ever published by Defender Publishing, and it does what no other book on this uh, topic has ever done before right. in the way that it marries all three of these things. It provides appreciation. Uh, anyway, bottom line is I couldn't get anybody to do it. So finally we just gave up and I said, Donna, we got to do this with your training in theology and my past history, uh, you know, yeah. with experience into doing research and ancient history and all that, we got to do this. And it has come out better than I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> and hopefully the theologians commentary won't come true that we are literally declaring war <laughs> against tradition, against traditional thought. People right. become very protective yes. of yep. their way of they thinking do. and they right. don't want to allow any other kind of challenge, right, to what right, to them sure. is their worldview. Yeah. But don't forget that one of the things that he said, will you write this? You know, you're qualified to write this. This whole conversation went on for a while and he said, well, Tom says to, to the theologian, do you think we're wrong? Have I outlined this in the wrong way. And he said, no, no, no. Not only are the conclusions that you are making possible, they're likely. Well, right. then why won't you write this? Oh, well, you know, you're outnumbered <laughs> as a ministry killer. So that is the loop that we got stuck in. And the bottom line is not all science is wrong. I'm not suggesting not all science is right. Right. Yeah. But science is allowed to emerge as a well, voice. It's like the theory of evolution is one of the things that, like the young earthers, they're rejecting that kind of science. But the Bible talks about science falsely so-called, wrong science, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there are things to be avoided. But the age of the earth, when you get this book and you read it, you're going to read it 10 times and then you're going to be passing it out to your friends. And you're going to say, man, you need to read what's in right. this book because this is conclusive material. My earliest memories, Tom, of you talking about the old earth mm -hmm. and the young earth and, how, and the science and how, how do these worldviews that differ so much come together? Is there a path to getting them all to agree? Probably 2008. Yeah. That's how long ago I remember Tom this whole topic, like he wants to get to the bottom of it and see if there's a way to reconcile and, of course, do it authoritatively through the Word of God and come up with a takeaway that all of these communities, if they're open-minded, could agree on. I want to challenge a little bit here, Donna, because a lot of Christians hold a very pessimistic view of what men have kind of frameworked as science. Yeah. Or the community of science. This is certainly true in healthcare. This is true in history. People believe there's this, this <laughs> historical revision when it becomes convenient to giant companies or giant groups or bodies of academia to go back and kind of historically curate what fits their assertion, their beliefs, yeah. right? To better sales yeah. pitch what they believe to be correct. And so some of our viewers may be a little nervous now. <laughs> Christians, right? Wait a minute. Donna Howell and Tom Horn are going to somehow try to reconcile the word of God with science. Uh, and I'm not sure I love that. 
<laughs> there are many teachings from the world of science that outright contradict the teachings of Scripture, are there not? Absolutely. And now here's the thing. <laughs> when the Bible absolutely and irrefutably contradicts Scripture or vice versa, <laughs> I have no problem saying the Bible wins. Bible wins. But... Here's the thing. First of all, not only is all science not wrong, right? right? We have to define science in a way that that people can understand on both sides of the coin to be absolutely objectively true. So when mm-hmm. I say science is correct, I'm not saying what mankind mm-hmm. has observed in a laboratory, in a lab coat, in a petri dish, or in a, m- the world of mathematics or even quantum physics. What I'm saying when I say science, I define science by understanding what is objectively absolute genuine reality as God has made it. Mm-hmm. And the observation of that will be tainted. And again, to quote the great Werner Heisenberg, what we observe is not nature in itself, but nature exposed to our method of questioning. We're finite. It doesn't matter how close we are to the Lord, how holy, we're finite. We are operating within a limited amount of understanding. The most brilliant minds in the world, what is it, only use 7 to 14% of the human brain, something like that? We are limited. Mm -hmm. What we see is not what is real. What we see is what is being observed and looked through the lens of our own method of questioning. So you've got to ask yourself two questions. Question number one, did God create the earth? Yes. Here's question two. Did God inspire the written word, his self-revelation to mankind? Yes. So if God created the world, and he did, and God inspired the written word of God, and he did, merging those two together and finding a thread that complements both Mm -hmm. and makes them harmonize is nothing short of a genuine act of worship. Right. Mm -hmm. So we need to stop in the church saying, you're just trying to make the Bible agree with science. Why not? If what we are viewing is genuine reality, why is that wrong? Well, and the Bible agrees with that. The Bible says, doth not even nature itself teach you X, Y, Z about creation and about God? And and frankly, all of the great sciences grew out of Christianity. Mm -hmm. It was man's uh, Christian quest Mm -hmm. to try to understand God, to understand the nature of reality. All of the great hospitals, all of the great medical sciences, it Mm -hmm. all grew out of a Christian ethos. Yeah, being being married to a molecular biologist, I can say (laughs) without fear of contradiction (laughs) that it is a way of better understanding and appreciating God's creation and the way he has designed at the cellular level, at the subcellular level, this creation in which we live. He designed it specifically for humanity. Right. So it testifies to divine creation, to divine order. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Why are we so afraid of it? (laughs) Well, let's, let's get into this because the viewers, I'm sure at this point are saying, okay, okay, you've got my ear. You've made this crazy assertion. You're going to make all these (laughs) worlds come together and somehow agree with the Bible. Tom, how is it possible that the seemingly dismantled, fragmented conversation, this merger that you're describing, how does this occur without compromising biblical scripture? Well, it does because if it's, like she said, if it's uncompromised truth, then it is a statement of fact. When you get into things like Darwinism or whatever, those are theories. They're not really based on science. We have no measurable proof that man came from an ape. You have a theory that that happened. But 
there are apes, and you can study them, and that is science. And there are humans, and you can study them, and that is science. You can study the physiology. So those are just basically, though, the superficial things that we slightly examine when coming into this book to say, don't be afraid of what you're about to learn, because it may question your particular worldview. And what it ought to really do is cause you not to necessarily abandon, like you're a young earther. Don't abandon the idea right. that Adam and Eve were created 6,000 years ago, but is there more? to the picture. Right. Are you looking at a Mona Lisa and you're, you're so focused on this spot on her shirt that you can't see the picture. You can't right. see the forest for the trees, right? right yeah. And that is kind of how we dive in. And again, like I said a moment ago, you know, Lucifer was already in the garden when Adam and Eve got there. Well, when did that happen? Right. Right. We know he was kicked out of heaven. Jesus even said, I beheld Satan like lightning fall from the heavens. Right. When did that all happen? It didn't happen in the garden of Eden. It was already passed. Mm, that's right. Wow. And also to answer your question about how those three different voices actually do merge. I'm going to give you the spoiler alert at the beginning of this six-week series, and then we'll spend the rest of the six weeks figuring out how this all works together. But first, science and old earth theology actually do agree that the, that the earth is very, very old. Now, how old, you know, that, that, that opens up a can of worms, but very old. And at this point, that is all we need to agree on. Young earth sees that something happened, not just that Adam and Eve came along and humanity began to exist at some point approximately six to 10,000 years ago, but they see layers of the earth and something that went, you know, kablooey approximately six to 10,000 years ago. What, what is that? If the earth is very old and then something happened to it that rendered the planet without form and void, tohu vabohu, which we will get into, does not mean conclusively without form and void. If something happened to the planet, then however long later, an undefined number of years later, God recreates the earth. Mm -hmm. He re-terraforms the earth's surfaces. He fixes and restores what was lost when the world was rendered tohu vabohu or without form and void. So what happens is you actually have not two separate creation events, but you have in the beginning, the very beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then sometime later, this is otherwise known as the gap theory, but we do not go in this standard gap theory. There was a gap in time. And then Adam and Eve came along when the earth was restored. So are you going to see evidence of old earth? Yes. Are you going to see evidence of young earth? Yes. So as <laughs> Dr. Michael Lake will say, when you ask him, is the earth old or young? Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. I've heard him say that. <laughs> Well, Donna, let's follow that up. Your book is not just another response to the cosmological question. However, there are so many details that are of crucial importance to the conversation that you dove so deeply into. For the audience at home, for those in-house, give us an example of the book's general outline so that our viewers can know what kind of discussion to expect for the next several weeks. Yes. So we did break the book down into three separate parts. Part one is the great debate. Okay, now what this does is it takes the different voices, science, young earth, and old earth, and it says, if you're just joining the topic, here's where they argue, here's all the different needles and arrows that get shot from one side to the other, and by <laughs> the way, here's a couple of major issues they argue over that with this particular approach to the book of Genesis and the recreation or restitutional theory, 
they don't matter anyway. But <laughs> this is the debate. And then it talks in, in some of these areas in the great debate, it talks about where and how they actually can merge and they do. Mm -hmm. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Part two is supporting evidence of old earth. And it's not just science. I got to tell you, a lot of times I hear people, and especially people in the church, Christian people saying, you can't trust radiocarbon dating, radiocarbon dating. It's not just radiocarbon dating. There is everything from paleomagnetism to river sediments all the way over to biostratigraphy. There are so many different things that contribute to the idea that the earth is very old. But one area that Tom and I specifically spent a very deep trench dig area of the book on is these old archaeological sites. Not just sites that have been radiocarbon dated, but that have symbolism all throughout the entire site. Weird things like serpent worship, things that connect right. not just historically to the human or possibly pre-human timeline of something that was weird and here before. Uh, you know, again, looking back at the, at the Luciferian fall and that whole thing, but also that specifically speaks to the theological history. Mm -hmm. So these sites were very paramount to a lot of what we did. We have sites like Gobekli Tepe, we have sites like Karahan Tepe, Chatalhoyuk, Baalbek, where the largest stones on earth are found right now. Building blocks weighing 3.3 million pounds. How did a bunch of men with pulley carts in an old civilization pre-pottery, <laughs> you can't even construct a clay pot, but you can transport a 3.3 million pound 10 miles from the quarry, uh-huh. So that's what part two is about. And then to conclude your question, part three actually does say, okay, we've established the fact, young earth, old earth, science, blah, blah, blah. What are we looking at in the void era of earth? That time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, where the world was without form and void. What are we looking at? Who were the key characters? Who were the key players? What happened? What kind of fall was this? So that is the general outline of the book. Those are the topics that are addressed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure you know how you can get your copy of this incredible new book in the Before Genesis Master Collection. When you order the Before Genesis Master Collection from the SkywatchTVStore.com, you'll receive the brand new book, Before Genesis, The Unauthorized History of Tohu, Bohu, and the Chaos Dragon in the Land Before Time by Dr. Thomas Horn and Donna Howell. In this phenomenal new work, you'll learn about the debate raging between the old earth and the young earth creationist groups, what the earth was like during the without form and void era of Genesis 1-2, how ancient archeological sites like Gobekli Tepe and the doorway of the serpent point to an intelligent race of beings on earth alive before the time of Adam and under Lucifer's fallen influence. And for the first time ever, the conclusion to the events of Genesis that merges all contributing voices from not only the young and old creationist groups, but the scientific community as well into one balanced and agreeable climax. But that's not all. You'll also receive the amazing DVD, What Lies Beneath, The Lost Secrets of the Watchers Below Gobekli Tepe, featuring archaeologist and author Dr. Aaron Judkins and best-selling author Derek Gilbert as they reveal Gobekli Tepe's historical use as a place of watchers worship, the evidence of a cult that venerated human skulls and reptilian creators, and the links between the god of Gobekli Tepe and the Bible. 
Also included in this must-have master collection are the digital, downloadable ebook versions of the Earth's earliest ages, Unearthing the Lost World of the Cloud Eaters, and the Apocrypha, including the Book of Enoch. These three masterpiece works will be available for download immediately when you place your order for the Before Genesis Master Collection and are being included in this offer absolutely free. All of these items hold a retail value of over $85. Yours now for your donation of only $35 plus shipping and handling. So don't delay. You can scan the QR code on your screen using the camera app on your phone for instant access to this special opportunity. You can also visit us at skywatchtvstore.com or call 1-844-750-4985 and ask for the Before Genesis Master Collection right now. It's not one you're going to want to miss out on, I promise, before Genesis and the accompanying DVD, What Lies Beneath. Tom, with just a couple of minutes on the clock left for this very first installation of this incredible series, for the viewers that follow our program, they probably know that you were a pastor in one of the largest organizations here in the United States for more than 25 years. For those just joining us or new to the program, they may not know that. But while you were tenuring as a pastor at various churches, you would often have both old earthers and young earthers come into your assembly and share their ideas. How did some of those differing worldviews uh, affect or inspire you to tackle this topic? Yeah, I did do that, and it's because, as you say, I've been interested in this subject matter for a long time, mm. and I wanted people to be able to, in the church to be able just to make up their own minds, so I would invite somebody from the Creation Institute to come with their best evidence, best argument. I'd give them one hour to stand up in front of the audience and speak uh, why the earth is only 6,500 years old or something like that. And then I would bring in a, a scientist that was a Christian to argue why they believe that the earth is much older than that. And like I say, then the congregates could just decide what they wanted to believe. And I remember in one case, the young earth creationist, he brought a stone with him and he was showing it to us. And he was saying, in the middle of the stone is a gaseous substance. And he tried to say what it was. And he said, there is no way in the world. He said, this gas, if exposed just to the atmosphere, it would dissipate within a bazillionth of a second or whatever. But for that stone to have been formed around it meant that the stone itself had to have been created within a split second. So I just thought that was so impressive. Well, later on it was shown that wasn't true at all and that stones <laughs> tend to create gas inside. In fact, we even mine them today. One of the other ones was footprints in dried up lake beds of both uh, dinosaurs and humans either running alongside each other or being pursued by one or the other. Uh, and he thought that was quite conclusive. But again, if you read our book, Mm -hmm. We're talking about pre-Adamites, human-like individuals that lived on the earth possibly millions of years ago during the age when the dinosaurs would have roamed the earth. So again, that argument fell apart. But that was kind of some of what back in those days I thought was very impressive. And the bottom line is based on the work of a renowned physicist named Barry Setterfield that it's possible that, as Dr. Michael Lake says, yes, young earth, yes, old earth, because the argument is based on the assumption that the constants that we've been taught, like the speed of light, the rate of atomic decay, are in fact constant. That is not 
True, the speed of light is actually slowing down. It's been measured. This was an accepted fact until about 1941 when it was just frozen in time. And no, no, it is a constant, thou shalt not question the speed of light evermore. Well, that's just not true. If you accept the plasma theory of creation, which is not the consensus view, but again, we're not talking about a fringe physicist here who's proposing this idea that the speed of light decreased extremely rapidly in the moments after creation and uh, Setterfield calculated that in the first four days of orbital time, the first four days of time as we know it, something like six billion years in atomic time passed. So yes, things may appear to be billions of years old, and yes, that's true, when in fact we may be only looking at a history that's only thousands of years in, in age. Makes sense. Ladies and gentlemen, did you learn something today? <laughs> Going to have to do this again next week. Join us again next week when our guests return to talk about how to avoid the deception regarding God's role as creator of the universe. It's one I promise you're not going to want to miss. For everybody here in-house, everybody here on panel, thank you so much for joining us today. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. We'll be back. We'll be back.